Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, rocking solo on this week 10 game preview as the Indianapolis Colts host the Jacksonville Jaguars. It'll be our first look at the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars are coming off a pretty big win against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are a better team than the Colts. Same thing last week with the Jets. They were coming off a win against the Bengals, and they also beat the Titans in Week 3. So when you look at the AFC now, after the Jaguars beat the Bills, the Colts are one of only two teams in the AFC without a win against a team above 500. It's the Colts and the 1-8 Houston Texans. Not company you want to be with in a statistic like that. So hopefully that changes. Can't change this week. The Jaguars come into this game at 2-6. But hopefully it changes in the second half of the season. When we play the Bills, we play the Bucks, we play the Cardinals, we play the Patriots, we play teams above 500. So we'll have multiple chances, and we need to win multiple games against teams above 500 if we want a shot at making the playoffs. We're not going to get into the playoff picture now, but there are 11 teams ahead of us with more wins and less losses. So a lot of Colt fans this week talking about our path to the playoffs or making the playoffs. We'll go over it after this week. You have to beat the Jaguars, obviously. You have to beat the Jags. You have to beat the Texans. And you have to beat the Jags again if you want to even think about making the playoffs. But it might take 6-1 and one the rest of the way to make the playoffs. So we'll get into it after this week. Hopefully it shakes out a little bit better in the Colts' favor because teams will eventually play each other. There are four teams from two divisions ahead of us. Every team from the North and every team from the West is ahead of us right now. So obviously they play each other. So there's losses in there automatically for some of those teams. There's also wins in there automatically for some of those teams. So you hope they beat each other up. And we have three games that we really should win within the division against the Jags, Texans, Jags, starting Week 10 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we'll start with the Jags offense. Not a good unit by any stretch of the imagination. 31st in the National Football League. They're scoring 16.5 points per game. They have 14 turnovers in eight games. They've allowed 13 sacks. Not a crazy amount of sacks for an offense this bad. Rookie quarterback, usually really bad offensive line. 13 is not terrible. For a bad team in eight games, 14 turnovers is pretty bad. And then, of course, 31st in scoring is awful, only scoring 16.5 points per game. So less than three possessions or right there about at three possessions, two touchdowns and a field goal, just about just shy of that, about half a point shy. So they're led by the rookie phenom quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And I said this going into the draft. He was the perfect prospect. People saying the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And I don't want to talk too much smack because we play him this week. He hasn't had a great rookie season on a bad team. I get it. But this is a guy who, as an 18-year-old at Clemson, was as good of a freshman quarterback as I've ever seen in my life, and probably there's ever been. He was insane as a freshman when he came in midway through the season, took over, and won a national championship. Great college quarterback. Up there with some of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Great prospect. My biggest issue with Lawrence going into the draft, and nobody was really talking about this, from 18 to 21 or whatever he was last year when he entered the draft, there wasn't that much growth. His freshman year to his junior year, and I know he had an unorthodox college career with COVID hitting in the middle of his, I guess, junior season and everything kind of getting thrown off. 
it didn't impress me the growth and the strides he made. When I saw him at 18, I was like, this guy could probably play in the NFL right now. And I don't even think I was wrong about that because the guy he currently is and the guy he was last year, his final season at Clemson, was pretty close to the 18-year-old version of Trevor Lawrence. So he hasn't gotten all that much better. He's improved. He's bigger, stronger. He's gone with the natural progression as anybody would from 18 to 21, 22 now, but he didn't change all that much. You expect more growth out of a phenom kind of guy like that, and he really hasn't had it. He's having a eh, rookie season, 1,800 yards, eight touchdowns, nine picks. They found a way to win last week, and that was great, but they kicked three field goals. So it's not like he was exactly leading them up and down the field against the best defense in the league in Buffalo. So it's a tough defense to go against for sure, but they did kick three field goals and they won that game on defense. James Robinson, the second year running back having another pretty solid season, averaging 5.5 yards per carry. So he's at about 500 yards, 482 averaging 5.5 yards per carry, five touchdowns also has 18 receptions. So he should get more carries as the year goes on. If he hovers around that 5.5 yards per carry, he should go up over a thousand yards. I'm pretty sure he had a thousand last year. In addition to Jonathan Taylor, they were pretty much the two best rookie running backs last season. And I think James Robinson went undrafted. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, our second-round pick. Chenault, second-year guy. So they're very young. They have a lot of young talent. Chenault, 32 receptions, 343 yards. I think he was their second-round pick. We took Pittman first. Pittman obviously having a much better year but has a much better quarterback in a better scheme, better system. Marvin Jones, 36 receptions for about 400 yards, three touchdowns. So they got some young players, and they have – all eyes on the rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, the first overall pick. It's funny, we would have seen the second overall pick last week. We actually would have seen three rookie quarterbacks the last couple weeks because when we played the Niners, we saw Jimmy G because Lance, I guess, either didn't get the job yet, but he was hurt on top of it. Then last week, Zach Wilson was out, and now we get to see Trevor Lawrence. So we've been missing these rookie quarterbacks. This is the first one we get to see, and then we'll see, as long as he's healthy, Mac Jones in a few weeks. With the Patriots, all the rookie quarterbacks, pretty much all the rookie quarterbacks, right, have been on our schedule this season, at least the first-round guys I'm talking about. We also saw a rookie in Houston, but I'm pretty sure he was like a fourth-round pick. So let's jump right into the keys to the game. I don't want to get too deep into the Jacksonville Jaguars' 31st-ranked personnel on offense. Key number one, stop the run. You look at these numbers, make Lawrence throw. I mean, Eight touchdowns to nine picks, inexperienced, and he's not the type of guy who's going to take what the defense gives him. So even last week, going up against Mike White in the first quarter and Josh Johnson the next three quarters, not that I'm excusing the Colts' defense because it was atrocious, but being a zone defense that gives the offense a lot and dares them to take it, and the Jets last week took it, so you have to give the Jets credit, I don't think that Trevor Lawrence is mature or disciplined enough or maybe even smart enough at this point to take it. He's going to force balls into spaces where the ball just doesn't belong because there's going to be somebody in the flat, there's going to be somebody underneath that's open, and I don't think he's going to take it. So if you stop the run, you put the ball in his hands, and you make him throw, I think the Colts have a better chance of winning this game, and I think they'll win this game regardless. But when you look at James Robinson and the 5.5 yards per carry, just get him off the field. So stop the run, make Lawrence throw, make Lawrence beat you, 
And I just don't think he'll be able to. Eventually, he might be able to because he has a world of talent, but I don't think he's there yet. So key number one, stop the run. Key number two, get off the field on third down. Kind of goes into key number one. I want to stop the run. I just want to get off the field. I don't want the dink and dunk, but I don't think Lawrence is going to take it. So getting off the field is very important. So key number one, stop the run. Key number two, get off the field on third down. Last week was physically painful. Like it was physically painful to watch the Jets, even when we were up by 32 points. It was painful to watch Josh Johnson. Was he wearing an XFL helmet? I mean, that's not even an NFL quarterback going up and down the field against you at ease for 300 yards and three touchdown passes. And then you add in Mike White. They had two backup quarterbacks throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns until that tip ball pick at the end. We didn't even force a turnover against him. Leonard had the forced fumble on, I think, a running back, and we didn't force any turnovers on the two quarterbacks until the final play of the game defensively. So that was painful. Stop the run, get off the field on third down, and no big plays. And I think Lawrence is going to be looking for the big plays. I really don't think he's going to be able to beat you with the dink and dunk, which means... Their lifeline will be the big play, the chunk play, and you got to take it away. It's just that simple. I think the keys to the game defensively are super simple, and it's not like, oh, me and Jason didn't put any work into this preview. It's just you're going up against a 2-6 and six team. You're going up against a team that's 31st in overall offense, scoring 16.5 points per game. They turn the ball over over one and a half times per game. There's no excuse. It's very simple. It's very basic. And there's no reason for us to make it any more complicated than it is. Stop the run. Get off the field on third down. No big plays. Bing, bing, bing. You win this game easily. The Colts defense needs a bounce back. This is absolutely the team to do it against and the offense to do it against. I would be much more worried if they still had Gardner Minshew. I swear to God, because he will pick you apart. He'll take what you give him. And we've seen it in the past with Minshew carve up this defense and actually beat us with worse teams with less talent around him beat us we saw it last year in week one so I think Lawrence is actually a better matchup for this Colts defense and I'm not just saying that I truly and honestly believe it maybe not long term don't quote me on it because year two year three year four eventually this guy could get really really good he has all the talent in the world all the talent in the world I was not happy when the Jags got the first overall pick. I wanted him to go to the Jets, send him somewhere else. Did not want him to be in our division. But up until this point, the quarterback he is through eight games, I don't think is going to be able to beat us. I just don't think he's going to be able to put up points or enough points to beat us. Flipping over now to the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, not much better, slightly better, but not much better. 26th in scoring, allowing 26.1 points per game. So that's a 10-point difference in points scored and points allowed, usually the sign of a bad football team. They have forced five turnovers, which is a plus-minus of nine, another sign of a bad football team when you're minus nine in takeaways, and they have 15 sacks, which is a pretty solid amount of sacks through eight games for a bad defense. And they're led by outside linebacker Josh Allen. I think he's in his third year now. Really good player out of Kentucky. 39 tackles, five and a half sacks, so a little bit more than a third of their team sacks. Eight tackles for loss, nine quarterback hits, has a defensive touchdown. He's all over the field. 
He gets into the backfield. He puts pressure on your quarterback. He's a really, really good player. Top 10 pick a couple years ago. I was hoping that the Giants would take him and they would pass on Daniel Jones. Not the case. And Josh Allen falls to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it was funny because last week, Josh Allen, the quarterback, fumbled. And Josh Allen, the defensive end slash outside linebacker, recovered the fumble. And it's just funny that they have the same name. Bad joke, I know, but funny to me that they have the same name because when they say it on the broadcast and they're like, recovered by Josh Allen, you're like, oh, okay, the Bills retained possession of the ball. Not the case. It was actually the other Josh Allen on the other team. It was like when we had the two Sean Davises, but they were spelled differently. These guys spelled the same way. You look around, Miles Jack, I remember when he had that tip ball pick. I think it should have been caught by Mo Ali Cox in 2018, and it turned into an interception. For Miles Jack, so he's been there for a while. That was when Andrew Luck was still our quarterback. Jack right now on the season, 51 tackles, three tackles for loss, one quarterback hit, and he's a higher-rated linebacker, I believe, in Madden than Darius Leonard. So get that. Miles Jack, who is miles, no pun intended, another terrible joke, miles behind Darius Leonard, ahead of Darius Leonard in his Madden rating. I swear to God, I have seen that on Twitter or somewhere. Miles Jack is higher-rated than Darius Leonard, which is just nuts. Smoot, defensive end, 14 tackles, three and a half sacks, four tackles for loss, 10 quarterback hits between Smoot and Allen. They have, what is that, nine of the 15 sacks for the Jaguars' defense. So the defense, a little bit better than the offense, not a great unit, 26th in the league, allowing 26.1 points per game. The Colts have a pretty good streak right now of 30-plus point games. We should add to it here and put up 30 again. Hell, why not put up 40 again if we call the same type of game <clears throat> we, excuse me, we called against the New York Jets? Keys to the game for the Colts, offense. Key number one, do I even need to say it? Run the damn ball. Key one, run the ball. It's simple. It's basic. Last year, week 17, Jonathan Taylor, 250 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. There's no reason to not run the ball. Fresh legs coming off 10 days of rest. Thursday night football sucks when you have a short week. But then once it's over, if you live through it, if you could still walk the next morning, well, now you have 10 days off before your next game. So the Jaguars, they just played a physical game. Their defense was great. You got to give them a lot of credit against Buffalo. They held a really good Bills offense to six points, to two field goals, kept them out of the end zone. Well, that's a physical game. That's a taxing game. They're on a high. You could catch them now sleeping, coming on the road to Indianapolis. So my opinion, pound Jonathan Taylor, get Hines involved, run the ball. I think Taylor could have 200 rushing yards in this game. I swear to God, he did it last year, 250. Might be a little bit steep. Again, 250, why not? He could do that again. I would lean towards not rushing for 250 because that's an absurd amount. And Reich just refuses to give him the 20 carry, that number, that magical 2-0. But getting the ball, get him 20 carries in this game. Unless it's a blow in the fourth quarter, then you could sit him if you want. But run the ball. Just keep pounding Jonathan Taylor. He should have 200 yards in this game because I just don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars will be able to stop him. Key number two. No turnovers. A bad team won't beat you unless you beat yourself. Turning the ball over is self-inflicted. Don't help the Jaguars out. Don't bail the Jaguars out. Don't turn over the football. Key number two, so basic, no turnovers. And key number three, take the points. We just saw Jacksonville Jaguars 
game, a Jacksonville Jaguars win, where they won 9-6. I'm thinking back to a year, 2018. This actually might be the Miles Jack interception game that I was talking about before when Moali Cox should have caught the ball and he didn't. We lost that game 6 Nothing because we didn't take points. Now, I don't think that's going to happen in this game. I think we're going to score touchdowns. I think we'll score enough to win this game regardless. But if you feel like it's last week and the Jaguars are in a field goal kicking contest, don't be afraid to take points. And when you're down in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns. But again, you want to come away with points because we always say field goals don't win games in this league. Well, if you're going up against the Packers or you're going up against the Chiefs, it might not win that game. Seahawks early in the season when we played Russell Wilson or against the Titans or against the Rams, field goals aren't going to win those games. Against the Jaguars, last week we saw a game where field goals literally won the game. So I want to be good goal to go. I want to be good in the red zone. I want to score touchdowns. I think we will score touchdowns, but... Don't be stubborn. Don't be stupid. This is a game we control. If there's points to be taken, take the points. You could take the points. A fourth and three, take the points. So this is one of those games. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to score a lot, and I think we will, and I think we're going to win this game handily. I don't want to spoil my prediction, but surprise, surprise, I think we're going to beat the 2-6 and six Jaguars because they're not above 500, and the Colts seem to do pretty well against teams under 500. But key number three take the points, which is a weird key because we kind of contradict ourselves. We always want to score touchdowns in goal-to-go situations. We want to score touchdowns in the red zone. I want Reich to be aggressive, and I don't want him to be a you-know-what against a bad football team, but I think back to 2018, I have PTSD. I see the game they just played last week, which was very similar to that game where they win 9-6. If there's points on the field, don't be afraid to take the points, especially like let's say you're up by six points. The field goal makes it nine. So you don't need to be cute in that situation. You could take points in a situation like that. We control this game. The only way we really lose this game, in my opinion, is if we start turning the ball over like crazy. It's really the only way I could see us losing this game. As we get right into our For the Culture predictions, I might as well get into the predictions now because I think I've said it about two or three times. I'm taking the Colts to win this game. I'm taking the Colts. I mean, you're at home. We played great against the Jets offensively. I expect that to somewhat continue. I expect Taylor. I think Reich has figured out that he has, with Derrick Henry on the IR or wherever he is right now not playing, he has the best running back in the National Football League. And he looked like that last week on primetime against the Jets. So I don't see any reason not to run Jonathan Taylor. Hines looked good last week too. I think he had about 75 yards and a touchdown. He actually got the scoring started last week. So get Hines involved. Get Taylor involved. I think Reich will. And if they're running, they're doing their thing. It makes Carson's job easier, and Carson will feast as well on this secondary. So I think Reich will be balanced. I think Reich will get Taylor the ball, and I think the offense is going to score 30-plus points. I just can't see. like This defense must be embarrassed for how last week ended on primetime. So I expect our defense to step it up. I expect us to hold them I would say under 20 points. So I could see like a 34-20, a 34-17 type of win at home in this game. And that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I expect. I think we should win this game handily because we are clearly the better team. We are the superior team. We have the better NFL coach. I'll give Urban Meyer all the credit in the world for what he's accomplished in the 
college ranks at the college level, as far as NFL goes, and I'm very hard on Frank Reich, Frank Reich is absolutely the better NFL coach, the better NFL mind. Same with Iberflu, same with this coaching staff. We have an experienced NFL coaching staff. They have a collegiate experienced coaching staff. So I think that we have the edge in that department as well. There's really no excuse to lose this game. And the only way I see us losing this game is if we turn the ball over like crazy, which I don't see happening, which is good because I'm picking the Colts to win this game. As for Jason, I didn't get his score, but he did tell me that the Jaguars will lose this game. So he picked the Colts as well. Jason's curse, as you guys all know, has been lifted, and he's been damn near perfect this season. I think he's 7-1 now on the season, which is a really good record. He's 7-1. His only loss was the 49er game on the road. So he's predicted the other three wins for the Colts. He took the Colts over the Dolphins because he couldn't bet on Jacoby, which broke the curse. He took the Colts over the Jets. He took the Colts over the Texans, and now he's taking the Colts again in this meeting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm going Colts. Jason's going Colts. This ends our three-game homestand. Then we go on the road after this. So this is a big one. If you want to compete for a playoff spot, and I know at 4-5 and five with zero wins against teams above 500, we should not be talking about playoffs. What? Playoffs? We shouldn't be talking about the playoffs. I get it. I understand. Jamora, I get it. But you can't think about the playoffs unless – you win this game. So it's a catch-22. You have to win this game. And if you do, and a couple of things start to break your way, and then you go out in the second half and you start to prove that you can beat the Bills and you prove that you could beat the Patriots and beat the Raiders, at least the teams in the AFC, you take care of business in your division and maybe even shock the Bucks or you shock the Cardinals. It's doable, but it takes Every like you have to win the automatic games. You can't lose to the Jaguars one of two times, and you can't lose to the Texans. Those games have to be won. Tiebreaker games most likely have to be won. Whether it's the Patriots, the Raiders, even maybe the Bills, those are games in the AFC. You're gonna want to win because if it comes down to a tiebreaker, that could keep you on the outside looking in. And then the NFC games, they're still games. So if you outright lose, that could be the difference. Seattle could be the difference. The Rams game could be the difference. If you were to lose to the Bucks or the Cards, those games could be the difference. So you want to win every game. But if you want to even just be in the conversation, it starts this week. Or I guess it started a couple weeks ago. It started last week with the Jets. You had to beat the Jets. Now you have to beat the Jags. And then when you go up against the upper echelon teams or the teams that are battling you for a playoff spot, you have to eventually start to compete and win and beat those teams as well. But one game at a time, one team at a time, you can't beat the Bills this weekend. You can't beat the Patriots this weekend. You can't beat the Cardinals this weekend. You can't beat the Raiders this weekend. You can only beat the Jaguars on Sunday. So you focus on the Jags. They prepared this week for the Jags. They had the extra three days to prepare for the Jags. You go out and you play, and hopefully you beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if you're going to the game, enjoy the game, have fun, stay safe. Hopefully the Colts come away with a big victory, and we'll be back with the game recap week 10 on Sunday night. I'm rocking solo today, so I am your host, Luke Diamond. Jason will be back with me on Sunday night. Keep it locked right here for the game recap on the Fourth Culture Podcast. <laughs>